So we often use the, the phrase, what are the odds? What are the odds that this such and such could happen, right? And I got to thinking about that, and I, I thought back to 2007, our beloved Colorado Rockies. In 2007, they're, they're my beloved at least, you can figure it out on your own. The, uh, I was in, happened to be in Las Vegas in an adult baseball tournament, and the hotel that we were staying in had a sports book. And I went to see what the odds were, this was like Memorial Weekend of 2007, what were the odds that they were going to win the National League? And it was 100 to 1. So I, I kept that printout. And I put it in a little souvenir drawer. And when it came around to September, the odds of the Rockies, September's the last uh, month of baseball season, they were 75 to 1. So it only had gone up a small percent. Now, anybody that's been around, you know they went on to win like 20 out of 21 games. They snuck in the back door to the playoffs. They won, got all the way to the World Series, and, and got swept. But they won the National League. So if I would have bet, you know, 100 to 1 odds, that's a pretty good deal back on Memorial Weekend. And they ended up pulling it off. Well, I got to meet Clint Hurdle, who was the manager that season. And I had kept that little printout. And I handed it to him. I said, don't let anybody ever, if anybody ever tells you you can't do something, show them this little ticket thingy here that said, you did it. You overcame incredible odds. Last week, Oral Roberts University in the men's basketball tournament, they won twice over teams that they were favored to lose by 18 points or something. They beat Ohio State. They overcame odds. How many are old enough to remember, do you believe in miracles, the miracle on ice, when a group of hockey players from America, the USA, we had, they had no shot of beating the Ru Russians, beating the Russians. And these college kids beat the professional Russians. I remember as a kid, do you believe in miracles? They overcame incredible odds. If you were to buy a Powerball number ticket. I'm not sure how that works. Some of you are wondering if I have a gambling problem. I was in Vegas and <laughs> talking about power. I, d I don't. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that bet. Um, the odds of someone winning the Powerball is 1 in 292.2 million. Not good odds there for you to win that. Let's think about Jesus. There was 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. 300 times that he fulfilled. And a mathematician and an astronomer, he said he did the math on the possibility of Jesus fulfilling just eight prophecies about himself. Here's eight of them. The time of his birth in Daniel. He would be born in Bethlehem, Micah. He would be born of a virgin, Isaiah. He'd be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah. He would be mocked, Psalm 22. Crucified, Psalm 22. He'd be pierced. And he would die with criminals, but be buried with the rich, Isaiah 53 says. The odds of him fulfilling eight of those prophecies is 1 in 10 to the 17th power. 
That's a lot of zeros. 17 zeros. The odds of that, this mathematician said, is about the same as if we covered the state of Texas in silver dollars. And you had one silver dollar that you painted red. And that you were dropped, parachuted from, from the air into Texas. And you happen to look down and you're in the right place at the right time to find that one red silver dollar. That's those odds. Guys, Jesus is for real. <laughs> the Bible is legit. Everything that Jesus did was on purpose. The inspiration of Scripture and all that Jesus did for us in living and, and dying. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a wish. Our hope is in something so outstanding, so perfect. I want you to be reminded of that today. In Isaiah 53.12, here's another prophetic word about Jesus. Isaiah 53 is all about Jesus and what He was going to do. It says, Therefore I will give Him the many as a portion, and He will receive the mighty as a spoil. Because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the, many, the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. There is no resurrection without a cross. There is no resurrection without a death. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke since the beginning of January. And we're crescendoing here Today and Easter with Jesus, today the, the three crosses in Luke 23 and then next week in Luke 24, the resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus was on a mission to seek and save that which was lost. Um, that's what he says in, in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus, we've been looking at things that he taught, things that he did, things that he said. But today we're going to see where his mission is fulfilled. I'll pick it up in Luke 23, verse 32. Two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching, and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others, let him save himself, if this is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God, since you're undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly, because we are getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three, because the sun's light failed. The curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle. 
Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. We're going to look at the three crosses. There's three people. One criminal on each side of Jesus. The first cross I'm going to call the cross, number one, is rejection and rebellion. This first criminal, he, he yelled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us in this mocking sarcasm. This man rejected and rebelled against the only one who could save him as he was on the cross. Maybe he was mad that he got caught. There's no admission of guilt, no remorse, no nothing. Just mocking Jesus as they're all going to their death. Rebellion's costly. Any of you that have ever rebelled and allowed that to steamroll, you've, you've paid the consequences for it. I know I sure have. We rebel usually in little things, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we can't see. When I was in high school, um, our, our family, we were very nominal churchgoers and, and Christians. We didn't talk about Jesus. I had never heard about being born again or anything like that until about the ninth grade. And somebody shared the gospel with my older brother, and then he shared it with me. And my heart was pretty tender, so I immediately I had a cross in my room, and I knelt down and prayed the best that I, I knew how to, to talk to Jesus about Him becoming you know, my Savior and giving my life to Him. Well, I mean, know when you go into high school, temptations are right around the corner, right? Anybody remember that? <laughs> not that they're not when you're an adult, but they become huge in high school. You have to live out what you, if you're, if you're someone who's a Christian, living out what you believe in high school is difficult. And temptation came, and so I was the, I was the person who would be at a party and telling people about Jesus one weekend, and the next weekend I was the drunkest person at the party. And I did that back and forth, and Kelly, it's a true story, huh? <laughs> she was there. We went to high school together. And I got to the point where I remember I, I, I had this conversation with Jesus and kind of broke up the relationship. And I said, I can't do this because I had become this little religious person. I thought it was all about behavior and what you do's and don'ts and thou shalt's and thou shalt not's. I didn't discover that that's not what it means to walk with Jesus until way later. But my heart didn't get hard overnight. It was a slow progression. To the point, though, where it progressed, where in my early 20s, I would have told you I didn't believe in God or even shook my fist at God at times. But God, in His mercy, He rescued me. He who began a good work in me in ninth grade was faithful, will be faithful to complete it. And that seed that was planted popped up October 26, 1992, almost 30 years ago. And I've been walking with Jesus ever since. And that, your, your, but you've got to guard your heart from rebellion. You've got to guard your heart from those little small things, the small, slow fade that can happen in our lives. The famous actress Joan Crawford, anybody know who she is? She's like the 40s and 50s, somewhere in there. She, uh, on her deathbed, her housekeeper was praying for her. 
And it was overheard that Joan Crawford yelled, don't you dare ask God to help me. And then she died. So, this criminal, he died in his sin. He didn't, he didn't stop and, and, and have any remorse. He died in his, his sin. He, he, he died with this rejection. But then on this other cross, we'll call it cross number two, we see the cross of repentance. The cross of repentance. The word repent simply means to change your mind, change your heart, change your attitude, change your direction that you're going in. That's what repentance means. We change our mind all the time. Some of you may have changed your political ideology over the years. I guarantee most of us changed our uh, mind about asparagus. As a kid, you hate asparagus. I like it now. I I can't get enough of it. You changed your mind. That's literally, I repented about asparagus. Now, in the, the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And these three Gospels kind of overlap in their content and their stories and what's there. John, he has a lot of new stuff that he brought about the life of Jesus and what Jesus did. So the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they over, kind of overlap each other. However, in Matthew's account of what happened here at the cross, um, he gives us some insight into the other what happened with this other criminal on the cross of repentance. I'll read it to you. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Catch this. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Luke didn't record that. Matthew saw it. And it brings us to this cross of repentance. Maybe this other criminal saw the humility of Jesus as he was, as he was dying and as he humbled himself and he submitted himself to our crucifixion. To, to, he submitted himself to death. Maybe he saw Jesus and he had a change of heart. It obviously happened because he was earlier hurling insults at him as well. And Jesus told him, you know, after he said, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus didn't say, no man, you were insulting me five minutes ago. Uh, You're not letting you in. He didn't say, oh no, I know this life that you lived. Sorry, buddy. You're too far gone. He didn't. He said, he said, assuredly, you will be with me today in paradise. This guy died to sin. He died to sin when he trusted himself and laid himself at the the feet of Jesus. In Psalm 51, verse 17, David says, The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repented heart, O God. 
Never once in Scripture will you find a, a time where God, when somebody repents or comes to God and says, you know, with a, with a contrite heart, where God says, nope, sorry, you're too far. Never. You can't, that doesn't happen. It's a, that's such good news that no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, God will accept you. He will accept you when you have that change of mind about who He is and about who you are. Now the third cross is Jesus' cross. And that's the cross of reconciliation. He's the one dying for sin. He's dying for sin. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three because the sun's light failed. The curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. He was on the cross, dying for our sin. I love 2 Corinthians 5. It's not on your notes. But the last portion of 2 Corinthians 5 says that the Father, Jesus' Father, was in the Son, reconciling the world to Himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he says, preach this message, be reconciled to God. And in understanding the gospel, we have to start with the starting point that God is good from his vantage point. He's good, but I mean, he's good in the sense that Jesus paid it all. Jesus did everything in his life, death, and resurrection. And he included all people in that. We have to choose to participate in what Jesus did for us and, and, and so forth. But God was in Christ reconciling, bridging the gap between Himself and, and fallen humanity. And in, in reconciling us, He released us from the bondage of sin. He released us from fear of death. He released us he, and, he, and He defeated the work of the devil. He defeated the work of the devil. He came and, and won the victory over our enemies, sin, death, and the evil one. Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, powerful verses, says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only this, but we also celebrate in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now received the reconciliation. Interesting wordage, the reconciliation. What Jesus did for us. All of us can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That's the only way you have peace. I was praying this morning. You know, Jesus said that, that my peace I leave with you. Not peace as the world gives, but His peace. Worldly peace is... Uh, Dependent upon circumstances. Jesus' peace is not dependent upon our circumstances. My joy may be complete in you. Again, Jesus' joy is not dependent upon circumstances. And all of us can have this understanding of being reconciled to God through Jesus. And what we do, and I believe this is the biggest act of faith, is to come into agreement with Jesus about who He is, and about who He says you are. That's faith. Lord, I agree with you. 
And then you begin to live a life letting Him call the shots, following Him, putting His teachings to the test, putting His teachings into practice. That He becomes the very foundation that we build our life on. Not just a get-out-of-jail-free card, but a true foundation of being His disciple and walking with Him. And I promise you that when you put into practice what Jesus tells us to do and not to do, you're going to live the best life you could ever, ever live. I want to take this message in a little slight U-turn here. It's interesting to me that in the verse just prior to the long passage that I read at the beginning is this little verse in Luke 23, 26. It says, And when they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, as he was coming in from the country and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. This guy named Simon, he's coming in from the country. And seeing crucifixion was a very normal thing because the Romans crucified people almost daily because they wanted to send a message, listen, if you rebel, that's going to be you hanging on that cross. And it was right um, you know, publicly just outside of Jerusalem where Jesus wasn't crucified far, far outside of Jerusalem. There's a, a small hill and it's right on a main street that, so the people could walk by and see that message. Well, Simon's coming in from the country and they, they stop him and say, you carry his cross. Jesus was broken and fatigued. I'm sure this happened as a daily occurrence during crucifying people. Simon's minding his own business. Think about it. He's just coming in, to maybe working hard or whatever. Hey, you carry his cross. What? I mean, he's got to put shoulder this cross. I think that's a picture of us helping Jesus carry the cross. That we actually have been called spiritually, so to speak, to demonstrate what it means to help Jesus carry his cross. Simon, what happened to him was not easy and it wasn't convenient. It wasn't easy or convenient to help Jesus carry the cross. And for us, it's not going to be easy or convenient to help Jesus carry the cross, so to speak, today. But it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. So how do we help Jesus carry His cross? His cross of reconciliation that was reconciling us to back to the Father through what He did. Three little things. The first one is, is share the hope. If you want to help Jesus carry the cross, is share the hope that you have in Jesus. You've you got to realize how much what your hope is built upon is not something that can be taken away. Your hope is built on something that is sure and true in the person of Jesus. The Apostle Peter says, but in your hearts reveal Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. No one's ever been argued into the kingdom. No one's ever been yelled at and judged and, and point, had the finger point and go, oh, I want to follow this Jesus you're telling me about. That, that, that never works. We're to give a reason for the hope that we have with gentleness and respect. And you've got to know the context of, of what Pete, when Peter was writing this. They were being persecuted greatly, both by the religious and by the Romans. 
being persecuted. Um, and he's saying, as you go through trouble, as you go through difficulty, he says, be, re- be prepared when somebody says, hey, life is hard right now. Why do you have hope? Be prepared to tell them that your hope, what your hope is in. That, that goes for us today as well. So how can you share the hope? Invest in others relationally. Invest in your neighbors. Invest in people's life. You know, hope is contagious. It really is. When, when you're in a room full of people that are downtrodden, but somebody actually has hope, somebody actually is, has, has faith, that spreads. And it's contagious. And we need a spread. We need a pandemic of hope in this world. We really do. It's people, they, they're, they're building their life on the wrong thing. Things that can be taken away. Invite someone to church next week. At minimal, tell them to watch online. Not to hear me preach, but that they can engage with this community of hope-filled believers who are following Jesus, and they will hear the good news of Jesus. Brian mentioned that earlier, that the name Novation was strategic. That we want a church that is a place where broken people can come in with their brokenness. And we all stand up here and admit, I'm broken too. We all got issues and things that we're dealing with. That's where hope can now uh, you know, begin to arise in people. The second way to help Jesus carry the cross is share the load. Remember in Lord of the Rings when Samwise Gamgee, share the load. Anybody who's watched Lord of the Rings, you know what I'm talking about. Share the load. They do it in slow motion. But, but he, couldn't, he couldn't carry the ring for Frodo, so he picks up Frodo and he carries him up the mountain. I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. That's how we share the load, by helping other people. Galatians 6, 2 says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Like, like we can't, we can't um, if you can picture in your mind all of us with a backpack, And in your backpack is your life's decisions, choices, attitudes, things that are just for you. We can't carry each other's backpacks. But we certainly can come alongside one another and help move obstacles that are in in the way of of walking with Jesus, so to speak. We can can help bear those types of burdens for one another. And, And how we do that is we come alongside one another and we practice what the New Testament calls the one another's. Pray for one another, care for one another, be hospitable to one another. When we practice the one another's, we're, we're sharing the load, we're sharing one another's burdens. I loved, I mean, and it's still going on, but like when we were first quarantined during, you know, a year ago, nobody knew what the heck was going on. But you start hearing stories about how our home groups were serving one another, raising money to help each other pay bills. Like that was at that moment, I was like, "We're not just talking about doing this; we actually really do this." You know, I mean, that was it. Felt it was it was awesome, and we that's what we need is to continue to share the load with one another. I'd say this: maybe today you're hurting and you have a burden. Speak up, speak up, so that we can help somehow, some way, to help you carry those burdens. And lastly, share forgiveness. 
Share forgiveness. Forgiveness is a cross to bear. When somebody wrongs you, offends you, betrays you, it's hard to forgive. But as Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the model set for us when it comes to forgiveness. And I think in church, we need to set set the bar so low when it comes to being offended or being you know irritated with somebody. Set it low because you're going to get offended and you're going to get irritated. Probably by Brian and then me. <laughs> Just kidding. Never Brian. But you're, it's, it happens because we're people. We're broken. We're imperfect. So we, set, we, we come in with the expectation that I'm in a church with broken people. I'm going to get mess on me. I'm going to get sheep on me. <laughs> and you sometimes wipe the sheep right off your shoulder there. Because it's, it's the reality. But let's set the bar so high in the forgiveness category that we're going to obey Jesus. We're going to obey the gospel. And we're going to forgive as we've been forgiven. Because in church, sometimes it happens. Like we forgive our family, our friends. Sometimes we have to forgive our coworkers. But in church, it's so easy to get offended and, and leave. And it's like, let's don't do that. Let's be a people who are good at making allowance for the faults of others. Just as Colossians says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And then Peter writes about Jesus on the cross. Man, this is so powerful. He's talking about Jesus and he says, He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He could have retaliated. He, he had no business being on the cross from a, a human point. He didn't do anything wrong. But he knew what he was there for. Let's don't be people who retaliate at insults. Let's don't be people who retaliate when we're wronged. Let's help Jesus carry his cross by being good at forgiving. And we're going to respond to this message on the cross with communion today. I know normally we take communion the first Sunday of the, of the month, but that's Easter next week, and I thought this would be perfect and appropriate today. So, did you get your communion coming in? If you did not get communion and you'd like to take it, will you raise your hand and we'll get it to you? Just raise your hand high enough so somebody sees you. Will you stand with us? Goodbye. Everybody get communion? Okay. So, Jesus reconciled us to God. And what we're holding is a little cracker and some juice. But what it represents is that reconciliation. That in my rebellion and rejection of God, Jesus came and brought me back. He brought you back. And when we take communion, 
we're agreeing with Jesus about who he is. That he is the one and only Savior. And he is the Lord of all that we're going to follow and do what he says to do. Imperfectly, you bet. But when we, when we fail, we're going to get back up. We're going to continue to walk with him. Let him call the shots. And it represents this agreement between the Father and the Son that happened before the creation of the world. They were in agreement. They knew what was going to happen and had a plan of redemption for us. That God the Word, God the Son, would come into this world, become human with us, enter into the mess of humanity. He didn't come in 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 some outward way. He came just like us and dealt with the same temptations, dealt with the same stuff. And by His perfect life and His sacrificial death, He undid the work that Adam did. When Adam failed to do, Adam failed to steward and do what God said to do. Israel failed to do what God asked them to do. Jesus came and fulfilled it all and did it perfectly. And He's made us, adopted us into the relationship eternal relationship between the Father and the Son. We're in that relationship by faith in agreement with Him. That's what we're celebrating. Because on the night that He was betrayed, Jesus, He he broke bread and and He was with His disciples and he, He blessed it. And He said, this bread represents My body that's going to be broken for you. He said, eat it in remembrance of Me. That's what we're going to do. Let's take the bread. same way after supper Jesus lifted a cup of wine to heaven and he blessed it he says this cup represents my blood in the new covenant that was going to be the sacrifice of all sacrifices we would be made right with God and we'd be his his children and walk with him the new covenant No more sacrificing of animals or any of that. That was all type and shadow of what was to come in Him. Let's do it in remembrance. Jesus, thank You for what You did for us. We respond in faith and hope today. And we respond in song and worship now. Be glorified.
I heard a guy share recently that he was at a communion service and the church did communion where they had like one big chalice of wine and you would take a piece of bread and you'd go by and you would dip the bread in the wine and that's how you took communion. He thought to himself, well, that's odd, you know. But he said the moment he took the bread and he dipped it into the cup, he heard the scripture, the Holy Spirit brought the scripture, he who dips the bread in the cup is my betrayer. And it was like quick and, whoa, I'm Judas. And until we can see ourselves having that Judas in our heart, we won't appreciate the gospel the way we should. And I think that's an, an understanding that's so deep, but so freeing that Jesus laid down his life for us. And you know, we categorize sin sometimes as the big ones and the little ones, and if we've only done the little ones, we're good. That's not the problem. The problem's in here, anyway, to start with. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting men's and women's sins against them. So if God's not counting your sin against you, you don't count others. Forgive quickly. We need to remember to do that. That's how He treats us. So... May God bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, give you His peace, His joy, and a full awareness of His presence with you wherever you go. That His mercy and grace and love are following you all the days of your life. And may you pass that on to others in Jesus' name. Amen.